passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. That is not going to work. What are your names again? My name. It doesn't matter what your names are. You walk around here interrupting the rock you like you haven't seen the sun in 20 years. You like you just stepped out of Oliver Twist. Please, sir, may I have some more advice, sir? You want some advice? Here's the rock's advice. Shut your mouth. What you want. What you want. How about what the rock wants? Allow me to reintroduce myself. I am. Jabroni beating, pie eating, trail blazing, eyebrow raising, talking is done, you're out of your class, no sleep till Brooklyn, the rock whips your ass. What's going on, brothers and sisters? Coming to you from Theater D, Row J, Seat 7, I am the Godfather Nate Milton, and this is the Rocky Maivia Picture Show, your favorite pop culture and pro wrestling podcast dedicated to the genius of sports entertainer turned thespian, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Now playing this week, 2016's Moana. Tafiti! Hey, I mean, how you been? Look, what I did was wrong. I have no excuse. I'm sorry. (gasps) You know, it'd be rude to refuse a gift from a goddess. Thank you. Your kind gesture is deeply appreciated. Ooh, oh, oh, yeah. Okay, okay, ladies and gentlemen, this is this is happening. This is not a drill. We are doing this. This is. It's been a big item on the calendar we've had circled for a long time, and so I am ready to bring this review to you. But I can't do it alone. 
And since every Cisco needs an Ebert, every Ebert needs a Roper, and every Blaine needs a Twine, I have a few special guests to help me review this film. My first guest is another one of the many magnanimous and, and, and magnificent uh, and other alliterative words that we can sprinkle in here. Uh, Postmarks, who <laughs> helped out last year during our campaign uh, to, to raise money in, in the midst of the COVID-19 crisis. He is a viewer who lives by the mantra that you could never have enough movies or too much wrestling. He is a postmark to the fullest degree, and he is our friend here in the theater this week, Brian Strelekis. Brother Brian, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much for having me, Nate. It's a great privilege to finally join you here in theater D, uh, hopefully uh, socially distanced in the seating. So you'd be in uh, seat seven. I'd probably be in seat 11 or 12, our other guest, seat 15, 16. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, coming in by way of the Cafe Grande hangout last year, uh, it's just like one great thing uh, uh, leading to another great thing, getting to join you on this podcast, part of the Post Wrestling Network, talking about a rock movie and a Disney movie combined. Mm, yes, and we are glad to have you here, brother, again. Like, shout out to everybody that was a part of that event last year. Back, back in the before times when we thought – that, the, the, you know, this, this uh, COVID thing was going to have a run like retribution. We, it, would, it would just show up and then disappear. But now COVID is more like the NWO, where it just keeps going and going, and it's adding chapters and members of the group that nobody really wants to see and different variants. Like, who needs the Stevie Ray variant? Nobody asked for that. Uh, the Buff Bagwell variant, nobody wanted that. Uh, I am not looking forward to uh, COVID-19 Wolfpack. Mm. <laughs> Don't turn your back on it. But but speaking of somebody in the wolf pack, this person has fully put on the TRMPS T-shirt, the shirt that you can uh, purchase at the Post Wrestling Store, by the way. But uh, he is our official UK film industry veteran and our Disney insider, and it is my pleasure to bring him back. You know this man from the, the, the critically acclaimed race to witch mountain episode and he is back to talk about moana <laughs> thank Brother you so Daniel much Perry. <laughs> <laughs> i never like as as a big fan of your introductions i'm always like thinking what what am i going to get this time but uh that's, that's good and i'm thinking keeping that theme going of uh coming into the theater and what seat i'm going to be in i'm thinking it's been I've been a long time since i've been in the cinema like race to witch mountain was a while back now and Rock's put some more movies out and I've just been waiting in line, you know, just been waiting in line for Moana to start, you know, get that ticket in and come and sit down socially distanced and watch what I personally think is the greatest Disney animated film of all time. Mm. Putting it out there, putting my flag in the sand on it right away. Those are some big claims right there. So yeah, this, this is a, this is a film that I've been waiting to talk about for a couple of reasons, because I feel like, we we all have one kind of lens with, through which we view Dwayne The Rock Johnson, but Moana is something where there's a generation of people that will know Dwayne Johnson just for this, just through this, uh, in, in a way that even, you know, the wrestling or like the Fast and Furious films, I, I think Moana has a reach that arguably even uh, extends past that. Completely, 
I mean, it's, it's something for, for, you know, seeing this guy's career. And I think it's, you know, this is what's so fascinating with this podcast series now is, you know, you're tracking a guy that's gone through, you know, such a diverse range of roles and diverse level, level of celebrity and, and, you know, awareness in all these different kind of, uh, you know, uh, areas of the world, but, you know, Moana in, in so many ways just was that, that next step up for him in, in you know, the thing that is Dwayne Johnson. And Dwayne R. Johnson is a guy that uh, is, is, has got a, um, an awareness of, you know, in an audience that ranges from young to old, mm. from entertainment to wrestling to, you know, now, you know, animated films and action films and thrillers and everything else in between. And, and just even now, just a guy. <laughs> just a guy that everyone knows and i think you know this was uh this was a big step up for him uh you know in in his kind of um celebrity yeah like D- dj is is omnipresent right now like you know in addition to everything you mentioned like he's now a sitcom star he is a a burgeoning minor league football mogul uh to the extent that he's talking about merging the XFL with the CFL. Like, there's there's nothing that, that DJ uh, can't do, Daniel. But, you know, this is Brian's first time in the theater, so there, there's a oh. protocol. There's things that we, we need to get set first, a, a baseline of information and knowledge from uh, from, from Brian here. So, Brian, um, you know, yes. when we look at Dwayne Johnson, we, we have this dichotomy of the in-ring performer and the on-screen performer. And so... When we look at The Rock as a wrestler, which is how most people listening to this show discovered this guy, you know, what was your kind of first experience or exposure to Rock as an in-ring performer back in the day? Okay, so aside from, I guess, his Flex Cavana days in Memphis, I've pretty much followed his entire wrestling career. So I was there from the start of Rocky Maivia. And, you know, back when it was thought that being a third generation star was a novelty or a real draw. But then once he uh, morphed into the most electrifying man in sports entertainment, yeah, then I was hooked like everyone else was. <laughs> uh, really early in his heel, in his first heel run, uh, the first few minutes of the 1998 Royal Rumble where he runs in, gets his licks in on Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie, but then gets a trash can put over his head and whacked with a chair that, that sends him through uh, through the ropes to the floor. Uh, my dad, to this day, maintains that's one of the funniest things he's seen in wrestling. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I think there's there's something to be said for when you look back at the in-ring career of Dwayne The Rock Johnson, where this is a guy that even though he was – he was obviously somebody that, that they had earmarked for that main event spot. But he's a guy that always felt generous in a way that, you know, somebody like uh, our, our, our favorite star, uh, Terry Balea, the, the, the titular head of Balea Box Office, which is a podcast I would never do. Um, <laughs> like he's, he's generous in a way that somebody like Terry Bollea or Triple H weren't, I think, in, in, in their positions, which kind of makes him a, a perfect transition to the world of acting. And, and, and so when you see him on the screen, did, like, did you know back then, Brian, did you have a sense that, like, yeah, this guy not only was going to be able to make that transition, but would go on to be, as, as Daniel mentioned earlier, just this omnipresent like fixture in pop culture 
I don't think I pictured him being as omnipresent as he has become, but I was certainly hopeful given all the charisma he showed in wrestling. And like the only movie in, for the longest time that I saw of his in theaters was The Rundown, and I thought that was a very admirable showing, and he was surrounded by a great cast, so I thought I could continue that trend. And you know, it did take a while for him to like really find his footing, but uh, he just kept persevering and persevering and working with more and more people. So it, it's it's definitely worked out for him, and obviously, so it's wonderful. Mm. Well, and speaking of wonderful, like uh, I think before we get into our games, really quick, because uh, we do have some games to to play as as is as is uh, nature, as is the course here in the theater. I, I want to go back to Daniel really quick. You know, our, our, our Disney our Disney insider here. Uh, oh yeah. In, in, in terms of Moana, uh, like, because I'm trying to remember back to 2016 and the buzz around this film and, and the the kind of anticipation. And I like, obviously, I remember Moana being big, but that all feels like something that happened after the fact, uh, as opposed yeah. to the buildup. So can can you kind of talk a little bit about maybe the the backstory on Moana and how we got here? So I think it's really interesting from, you know, Disney's perspective. So, you know, I left there um, about a year or two before uh, Moana was, was, you know, was released, but, you know, again, was on a lot of the strategy of for titles coming up in the future. And th- there was a big shift at the end of like uh, about 2008, 2009, 2010, when like Disney animation were going through a, a big, massive change in how they approached. There was obviously with the influence of a lot more kind of computer generated films, particularly the Pixar films, um, you know, there was uh, basically the princess and the frog, which again is one of my favorite, um, you know, Disney animated films. Mm. But again, I think they saw the need to update the animation and move away from that more traditional style, which is kind of what Tangled was, you know, the very first kind of, um, uh, you know, CGI more kind of Pixar style kind of release. And that, and that was a big gamble for Disney. They had no idea whether, you know, fans were really going to be able to kind of take to that. And I think from that moment of it did, and I think people as, you know, on a, on a massive scale, it really kind of, in a sense, revitalized that kind of Disney animation slate that when you see, you know, the early 90s and late 80s, the people remember the Disney animation slates of Beauty and the Beast and Lion mm-hmm. King, that really it was that this next kind of like, in a sense, golden age of like, you know, Tangled and Wreck-It Ralph and Frozen and Zootopia that, you know, all these films were coming out at that time. And I think, you know, Moana, and we'll obviously get into it in the review, but I think it's 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 a really interesting film because even though, you know, titles like Tangled and, and Frozen, um, you know, were, were taking that element of the kind of princess film and that slightly kind of, you know, younger female kind of skewing movie, um, but really you, you didn't see as much of a kind of a, a bold move in the storytelling as you see in Moana. You know, it's very, there's no romantic angle in there. And, and you know, so... A lot of the ideas that even when I was there, you know, that they were talking about, this, you know, what would this was going to be about, about having, you know, a much more stronger female kind of fronted animated movie. Um, that was a big gamble at that time. So I, I would say, you know, it's this is definitely one of those films that I would put up there with Frozen in the sense that mm. I think it obviously has gotten a lot bigger over the years. And I think now, like, you know, over the years that this film's just expanded and exploded into, you know, people like myself, people like John, um, you know, who was mentioning the other day about how, 
you know, he's watched this so many times because of children. And, you know, that's the thing from my perspective of, of watching this film 63 billion times now. It's, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a film that I think has got, you know, in this kind of streaming video kind of world that has got such kind of repeat kind of playability that even though I'm reaching that end point of a film, you know, watching it so many times as I have, I'm all happily watched this film like a thousand and four times. So I think it's, it's a really interesting one that Disney, I think now, you know, I think they announced recently that, you know, thinking about bringing kind of a series related to the Moana characters back into Disney plus, um, you know, I think it's one that I would say, um, you know, did very well at launch, but has done a, a lot better since uh, over the, over the recent years. It's, it's interesting when you kind of talk about that era of Disney and, and the era that just kind of preceded it. Uh, Daniel, because yeah, they like I like Zootopia a lot, but I feel like Zootopia is one of those films that a lot of people forget about. Um, you know, Princess and the Frog. Like, how how mm. could you not love a movie where Keith David has a villain song like that? I think <laughs> Princess and Princess and the Frog is great, but it again, like I feel like Princess and the Frog is a movie that like gets like kind of lost in the shuffle. And so mm. you're right. Like when we get to Moana, I think it's a couple different things. A, it's that 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 visual style that you're talking about. But, you know, we've got The Rock, who is obviously a big star at the time. And then we kind of work in the music of one man, Lin-Manuel Miranda of <laughs> Hamilton fame. Like, like coming, like, like Lin-Manuel Miranda was living his best life in, from like 2015 to 20, I guess, like even till today, because he's not yeah. getting that Disney Plus money. Uh, but <laughs> you, you got Hamilton. Hamilton does big box office all over the world, all over, all over the country. And he gets to create the 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 soundscape of this Disney movie, and I, I think the songs are a big part of like why this movie resonates with so many people, Brian. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, it's more so Disney wanted to get into the Lin-Manuel Miranda business and uh, bring him <laughs> on to, onto this, uh, in addition to other projects, and as well as like buying the rights to Hamilton. Uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, I, it's been a while since I, uh, watched a, a musical Disney animation movie. I, I kind of came to this one late, like during the infancy of Disney plus when mm. I got that at launch expecting, uh, the Marvel series to come up much sooner, but didn't have that had the Mandalorian, but they're doing, uh, the weekly releases, which was a smart decision. So had to watch something in between, uh, and Oh, here's Moana. I never saw that. I should probably see that. And holy crap, I love it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and yeah, as for yeah, the music itself. Going back to that, it uh, it slaps, as the kids say. <laughs> <laughs> yes, as 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 Braden Harrington would say, the music is lit uh, on, on this particular motion picture. Uh, but speaking of lit, let's get into some of these games, fellas, because it is now time for the time warp, and and for those that may be new to this program. The Time Warp is where we take a look at what was going on in the culture around the time of this motion picture's release, and uh, particularly when it pertains to the music charts. And so, Moana was released on November 23rd, 2016 in the United States. Do either of you gentlemen know what the number one song on the Billboard Hot 100 was this week? And believe me, like this, this one is hard. Like I don't think I would have gotten it, 
had I not looked it up for the purposes of this game. But uh, let's let's start with you, Daniel. Uh, what what is your guess as to the number one song on the Billboard chart this week? And, and here's a here's a clue, because a week before you've got a different uh, number one, and it was the uh, the uh, Chainsmokers with Closer. A week okay. after you have a different number one, and it is the weekend uh, with Starboy. So that's kind of that's kind that's, of the zeitgeist of where we're at. But that's so weird. I, I actually was gonna, the, the only song that came to my head was Starboy. <laughs> we can, but that's with the Daft Punk, right? That was the one with Daft yep, Punk. Yep. Yeah. Um, oh my God. Let me think. Hang on. Twenty sixteen. End of twenty sixteen. Like this is a, this is a weird one for me. Like I, 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 it took me a minute to remember. Like oh yeah, this was hot for about a week. I mean, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with a real random one, and for some reason, I think it might be, might be around this time. It could be later. I'm, I, God, I can't even remember a week ago, man. Now I'm thinking back to November 2016. Did, did Bruno Mars have something out around this time? Ooh. That, that, I don't know. Bruno, I, Bruno's I always a good guess around this time period. Yeah, I think I, because um, he would have. Do you know what? I'm, uh, this could be me just I'm umming and ahhing for 25 minutes. So I'm just going to go with um, uh, Bruno Mars with, um, um, oh, um, uh, 24 Karat Gold. Ooh, I'm going to throw like that, that one in there. That's, that's, that's a good song. Good guess. So uh, Daniel going with Bruno Mars, 24 Karat Magic. Uh, let's see. Brian. <laughs> Now that you've heard us kind of deliberate <laughs> and, and 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 toss and turn over some of these these potential guesses, uh, what what's your guess for the number one song that week? Oh boy, I typically stick to uh, older and alternative uh, radio stations here in the Philadelphia area, and so I mm. I'm not very atoned to uh, present day uh, top forty, uh, but uh, I wager guess and say something by Iggy Azalea. Ooh. <laughs> I think I don't know. Like in 2016, was Iggy still hot? I don't know if. See, that's how bad I am. At if the Iggy Azalea <laughs> bubble had popped by then, it's it depends when that bounce track came out because that yeah. bounce track was that was incredible. I love that track <laughs> so much. That but that, that was 2016. Uh, so yeah. So here here's the thing. Like when when Daniel said uh like you know this this song was about a week ago. Like I, I almost had a had a mark out moment because I thought that Brother Daniel was going to guess Bobby Schmurda, and just <laughs> hearing Daniel talk about Bobby Schmurda on this podcast would have been oh, peak. I, trust me, I could talk about Bobby Schmurda. You know, I, we that's another podcast for another day. Yes, uh, who, who's who's back now? So you know, well, welcome home, Bobby. I'm, I'm glad you're listening. Uh, yeah. you know, it I, took I a while, man. Took a while, but we got him out. I don't. I don't think they allowed post wrestling in in, uh, in prison. <laughs> I don't think that's that's on the list of approved materials. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, the, it wasn't against Alium. It wasn't Bobby Schmurter. It wasn't even Bruno Mars. The number one song, the week of November twenty third, twenty sixteen, was Ray Schremer with Black Beatles. Nothing to explain. I'm a, I'm a black beetle, cream seats in the regal, rocking John Lennon lenses. Like to see him spread. Eagle took a beer to the club and let a party on the table, screaming, Everybody's famous. Like clockwork, I blow it 
got the babe's belly rolling. She thinks she love me. I think she trolling. Man, yeah. Like that that's one of those songs that like if you if you're not thinking about it, it never crosses your mind. But as soon as you're like, oh yeah, that did have like a moment in 2016. Yeah. Oh man, I haven't thought about that song since November 23rd, 2016. <laughs> Was that we? Um, that was with Gucci Mane, right? Yeah, with Gucci. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm writing that down yeah, right now. Because I remember it. Uh, it's funny because it's one of those songs that was like on urban radio since the summer, but yeah. it finally kind of broke into the mainstream during the holidays of all time. And so, like, it's Thanksgiving in the States, and in between Christmas songs, it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, here's, here's, a, here's a little Gucci Mane to go with your Burl Ives. <laughs> wow that's that's a that's a, a i would never guess that in a billion years like ne- never never yeah. never never i i like i had completely forgotten about the song and the group but now that yeah like yeah that makes 100 percent sense uh speaking of making sense and making dollars it's mm-hmm. time to play the budget game gentlemen uh I, I think we all know this movie made money but the question is how much money did it make? So, Moana had a budget of one fifty to one seventy-five million dollars. Let's let's go high end. Let's say it cost one hundred seventy-five million to make. Uh, what was the worldwide box office? We'll go with we'll go with Brian first because Daniel might have some insider information on this. <laughs> okay, worldwide, yeah, definitely a hit. How big a hit? Uh, I'm going to uh, think big, uh, six fifty. Mm, six fifty. Here's the thing, like Daniel, like I knew this movie made money. I didn't know it made this much money. Yeah, I I think this one was. It, it definitely, I know, it definitely didn't pass the billion, but I know it was pretty big. So I, I'm I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to be. I'm going to be the cheeky little heel here, and uh, I'm just going to go a little bit higher than Brian's and say, <laughs> and say 700. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Moana had a budget of 175 million, give or take 25 million, and the worldwide box office 690 million dollars. <laughs> the millions. Almost yes. 691 million, which is just crazy. Now that was, yeah, that was me uh, with all my expertise and all of my experience uh, picking out that number. You know, if I, I measured all the box offices in my head, you know, went through the exchange <laughs> rates, going through remembering the impact the dollar had on, you know, some of the European currencies, merged a few things around, and that's how I came up with that number. Nothing to do with adding 50 onto what, uh, you know, Brian had done. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or looking onto Wikipedia. Yeah, I really, yeah. I really hope none of my employers ever kind of listen to this podcast and realize that, you know, I've just been winging it the whole time. If this was Price is Right rules, I think I would have come out on top. Yes. Well, <laughs> well, here's the thing. Like, Moana made 250 in the U.S. and Canada, and then the rest worldwide. So, like, this was, this was a hit everywhere, basically. That's massive. That is really big. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, so like, uh, let's let's get into the actual film now. So you know, we're talking about Moana. We're talking about this collaboration. Uh, we've got uh, Clements and Musker uh, directing this film, and I guess you know we we can start there for some of our our, our Disney uh, Disney files, Disney aficionados out there. Uh, where where would they know those names from, uh, Daniel? Uh, so uh, Ron Clements is is uh, kind of got a, a long history of um, uh, working with uh, Disney. You know, working back on, you know, again a lot of those kind of uh, you know late eighties, early nineties films of you know that golden era. Um, you know, things like Little Mermaid and Hercules, Aladdin. Um, but you know, was kind of brought back into the fold. I mean, again, as I was mentioning about this this you know, beginning around the princess and the frog and tangled onwards, um, you know, some of the films that, you know, he was kind of brought on to, uh, to kind of help out on, um, you know, was again, princess and the frog who, you know, he previously directed as well. So, you know, he, he kind of went on to help out on a lot of, you know, and I think he's actually part of the Walt Disney animation team now, um, or, or at least, uh, a part of some of the areas that they, uh, you know, that they look after now as well. Um, Clements is still employed with Disney Musker left in 2018. 20, yeah, yeah. So the, it's it's been kind of a and, and but yeah, the the two of them have done you know work together for for a very long time, um, and uh, you know worked on kind of several projects. So again, it, you see this again, same with the music as well, and the fact that you know you're going to have uh, you know really interesting collaborations between you know the classic side of Disney mm-hmm. and then the modern style of animation and music and everything else. So, the, but both of those are kind of you know your your kind of. Uh, you know, very, very kind of firm hands when it comes to, you know, uh, managing a film like this. Yeah, like those are names that, like, I knew those names just from watching a bunch of, you know, Disney movies back mm. in the day. Like, like not even the, the big ones like you mentioned, you know, the, the Aladdins and the Little Mermaids, but, but like something like uh, the, the underrated, like, mid-80s stuff, like Great Mouse Detective. Great Mouse Detective, yeah. Like, there's, there's something to, like, Great Mouse Detective, uh, like the Rescuers, like, I think some of those movies that that made might have been like the princess and the frog of their day they yeah, kind of got lost yeah. in the shuffle although i would say pete's dragon if, if Ooh, you watch mm. if you watch pete's dragon now which is uh you know he, he was an, an animator um uh, ron close an animator on that film and if you watch that now that film is insane like i i i got took my daughter to what did to, to my daughter i showed her the tv on disney plus i didn't take her anywhere because we don't go anywhere anymore <laughs> so I, I and we and we started watching pete's dragon and like i remember a very different film and mm. and but like the the 40 minute mark i was like what is going on with this film it's like it's a it's a real it's it, you know disney over the last 40 years 50 years have just had these kind of ups and downs of of their overall kind of slate but it's interesting what you find in amongst those periods where, you know, people say things weren't as successful. There's some really good stuff in amongst the, you know, that those early eighties, even like mid, mid to late nineties, Disney stuff has got some really cool stuff in there as well. Mm. Yeah. So we got Ron Clements, John Musker in the directing chairs, as we mentioned, Lin-Manuel Miranda, uh, bringing the music and then the, the star power. Like, I think one of the things I like about this film is that yes, we've got The Rock, and to a lesser extent, uh, Jermaine Clement, and to an even lesser extent, uh, Nicole Scherzinger, for mm. your star power. But the the bulk of the cast is made up of uh, what it what it feels like are like legit Polynesian actors and actresses, which I think 
adds to the tone of this film and, and, and makes it feel real and grounded, even though we're dealing with like mythology and fantastical creatures and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it, it goes to that level and, and, you know, something for me that, you know, again, we'll, we'll talk about is the, this feeling of a, an element of authenticity. I mean, I think you can only go so far with a Disney animated movie, but I think mm. the fact that, you know, when you hear about the production of this film and how important it was to, to really understand a bit more about Polynesian culture and, mm-hmm. you know, particularly, you know, Pacific kind of culture as well. And, you know, casting in at so many people across the production, not just obviously the voice cast, but, you know, people involved with the music as well that, um, you know, that definitely adds a lot to it, which I think is great. I think my favorite story about this is when it comes to that is, I guess early on in the production stages, uh, Taika Waititi was involved mm. with oh. Moana. And, and he, he, said, my, he said, my contribution was one line in the script, uh, exterior, we open on the ocean. <laughs> and i'm like yeah like even even if he was only involved in the, in the formative stages like i think that attention to detail that attention to care is something that we might not have gotten had they made moana even five years earlier where hmm. i think just that authenticity and that level of if we're going to do something about someone's culture it can't be just you know a, a room full of middle-aged white guys writing about, you know, the story of this culture. And we actually need to talk to people who are in the culture and have them in the room, in the room where it happens, Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it, it's interesting, you know, especially in the times we're in right now, you know, 2021 and, mm. you know, so much going on in this last 12 months around, you know, uh, culture, and and mm-hmm. representation and 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 across all entertainment now and and when you look at you know what had come previously for for disney you know for, from you know the 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 subjects they were t- you know tackling in their films and if you take something like zootopia you know mm-hmm. the, that the whole theme of that is to do with race you know the whole theme of that is to do with other is to do yep. with fear is to do with those elements where you know this this idea that you know previously when you look at you know, titles like Tangled or Beauty and the Beast or, you know, it's it's kind of, you know, white Western culture and 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 in a sense, you know, hard uh, hard to kind of really kind of press uh, certain kind of, uh, you know, involvement of, of other cultures. But, you know, you bring something like Moana in, in 2016 was a very bold move, but actually incredibly what they managed to do when you compare this to, you know, the animated films of, you know, 20, 30, even 50 years ago, you know the the care that they took with something like this was was at that time really surprising i mm. i i would say i think a lot of people going into this when you realize the subject matter they were covering particularly mythology and the culture of of the polynesian islands and that's very very delicate you know uh, uh subject matter so it it's fascinating to see that you know 5 years ago this is the kind of you know subject matter that they're willing to take a risk on which is fantastic yeah and it's like Again, we keep talking about Zootopia, which I feel is so underrated uh, in in the in the kind of pantheon. But like any movie that that can 
touch on those themes and is ostensibly a kid's film. And, you know, you give me the, the big Shakira song and dance number, at, <laughs> at the end, but, but there's a message and there's a resonance underneath. Like, I think mm. there's something to it. Uh, and that's, that, that, that's the same way I kind of feel about uh, Moana, Brian. So I guess like, we're not going to go beat by beat, scene by scene, but just kind of the basic plot. Like, I don't think there's anybody listening to this that hasn't seen Moana. Like, even if you're not a Disney fan, I feel like, Moana has kind of elevated into that realm of movies that is just part of the culture now. Like, even if like, yeah. even if you don't remember the exact plot, you know you're welcome, right? You know how far <laughs> I'll go. You know, like there's th- you know shiny. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I definitely um, do now. <laughs> yes. Uh like yeah, anybody that watched this for the first time for the purposes of this podcast, like shiny will be in your head. Until the next episode comes out, so a month. Your welcome there. will be in your head even longer. Yes. Yeah. Oh it's, my god. Uh, yeah. It, it, ca- catchy songs that are going to just you know stay with you forever, and then and the soundtrack just you know is incredible. Like yeah. that's the thing that's going to be on repeat. Yes. Yeah. I'm no music expert myself, as I as I explained earlier, but uh, you know you listen to um, your welcome, and you definitely know what uh miranda touched in that it it sounded a little similar after like seeing hamilton last summer of uh the song that uh the king of england would sing repeatedly kind of uh, remind me of that melodically you'll be back yeah yeah like that that but there was there was far less fitting by by maui yeah yeah shout out to jonathan groff we we appreciate you brother fantastic yeah and you're welcome like you had maui sing open your eyes and you'll see that's how that's how it reminded me of that well i think when we talk about the rock uh because basically maui is kind of the continuing this tradition there that we saw in hercules of rock playing kind of these legendary demigod-like figures that mm-hmm. that have personality flaws and with maui you know maui basically again like not to go scene by scene but uh maui stole the the heart of uh Tefiti, uh the goddess that you know the the folks on this island worship and because of that like maui unleashes a whole lot of bad stuff basically <laughs> Because, uh, you know, Maui's trying to be creative. He wants humans to have the gift of creation, but Maui didn't think everything through. So we we go through this, and, and uh, when Maui uh, kind of comes back in, in the present time of the movie, like, he is he is a likable figure only to the extent that you like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Because <laughs> everything else about Maui is utterly unlikable, and he is very selfish, and, and he has, like, a lot of those categories uh, characteristics that you would see from somebody like Hercules in the Greek mythology. So, you know, this is the Rocky Mind via picture show, Daniel. What what do you make of our big performer here? Like the 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 headliner for Moana and that is Dwayne the Rock Johnson as Maui. It's it's kind of like, you know, and I think a lot of people say this, it it's kind of the role he was born to play. Mm. You know, it, this you know the the character you you know itself, the character arc you have of you know, the fact that even if you compare it to wrestling and we're on the post wrestling network, so why not? But look at this, 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 uh, this Maui character that, you know, you're introduced to at the very start, who is the bad guy, 
like he's caused all this horrible crap. He's, you know, it's just the worst thing ever. And, you know, they tell stories about, you know, him being this kind of thief and, you know, he got his comeuppance and lost his powers and all these things. And yet, you know, when you meet him, you realize that this guy's arrogant and, uh, you know, he's, he's all powerful. So he's got no time because, but then as the movie goes on, it just strips back all these layers, all these layers and backstory. Mm. And, and you start to understand the motivations. And I think, it's so fascinating to see this guy who in, in a Disney film as well, which you very rarely get at this kind of level of storytelling, which is, you know, a bad guy. who's not really a bad guy, but you may not like him, but actually mm. he's a bit of an anti-hero all the way through to him being like, you know, learning about his mistakes, learning about yeah. his arrogance and ego. And I think, you know, the fact that, that, you know, uh, DJ manages to kind of deliver a performance that's just like so full of, you know, the charisma of The Rock at his absolute peak. You mm. know, we, we're not talking, you know, the the scripted on the hands kind of like rock promos of, you know, 2012 <laughs> kind of, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, someone has has taken the, the exact kind of, you know, charisma that he was well-renowned for and just turned it up perfectly with this character that is just incredible. And, and, and I think that the moment you just mentioned, Nate, with the... Um, you know, when you're introduced to him again, I, I love the fact there's this, there's this, um, you know, all powerful God that's been stuck on this Island for just mm. hundreds and hundreds of years. Who's obviously just gone completely crazy as well. Like he's just <laughs> completely yes. on, his, on his own, just desperate to kind of get his powers back. And that's uh, the only thing that's driving him is just fascinating. Mm. Yeah. And there's, there's some really interesting character stuff going on here, particularly when we get to our big bad our, our top heel so to speak of uh, this film like the the swerve the, the 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 swerve that vince russo could only dream of at the end of this movie is is, is so well done but but brian like what do you make of Dwayne's performance in this and and his his role as maui first off being this kind of unlikable rogue but by the end of the movie he is the hero that that we needed him to be yeah i thought it was wonderful in this um Echoing a lot of what Daniel said, uh, he has this, uh, he presents this super confident demigod who's like uh, the cat's pajamas for the human race. But then, like, you gradually learn that uh, he was abandoned by his parents and he's done all this stuff for people so that people would like him. And, like, like early on, he's scared of the heart of, the heart of Tafiti, throws it in the ocean. Uh, feels powerless without his staff or his hook, I should say. So, it, yeah, it just like more and more uh, f- he fleshes out his character into like some like something very tangible. And you know, even with that uh, Han Solo esque uh, change of heart off screen, where he leaves <laughs> then comes back. Uh, yeah, it's just yeah, he's just fantastic in all of this. <laughs> So you, you, you say Han Solo ask I'm going Lando Calrissian. Like he sold out Han, but then you know at the end of the day he's coming to do the right thing because he's Billy D. And then same thing here. Like you know at the end of the day, Dwayne the Rock Johnson is going to do the right thing, whether he's in animated form or not. Uh, but let's talk about our other lead here in this picture because you know yes we like Maui's a big part of this film, but the the heart of the film, no pun intended, is Moana. And it's her story, and she is our our Disney princess in in this film. And so, uh, 
you know, Daniel, when we look at Moana, played by uh, Aoli Cravalho, and I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. Uh, apologies if I mispronounce it. But, like, I think from the very beginning, Moana is this character that that I think not only appeals to the adults watching, but particularly, like, I've watched this movie with my nieces. And hmm. Moana is a character that, like, they can readily identify with. Uh, what, what do you make of the way that Moana is brought into this as our as our uh, lead character? Uh, for me, I mean, you know, I've got, um, you know, just coming up to three-year-old daughter. Um, and for her to watch a film like this, you know, with this kind of character is is so, such a... Uh, a positive thing and i think you know it's somebody dealing with tradition you know that's mm-hmm. that's kind of a key part for for her character and role but from the the moment you first uh you know yes for after the intro song but the 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 beginnings of introduction to her character and, and taking on these roles and responsibilities that are kind of set out to her versus that battle of all these things that she wants to go and do you know that that story is is such a, a a solid kind of like you know story that's been told many times over the years. But I, I think when you even if you take an age range of you know uh, young girls, teenage girls, you know mm-hmm. that that can listen and, and understand that struggle of expectation, expectation of what you're meant to do, uh, you know, uh, within this world, this you know kind of very male dominated, very kind of powerful, strong world. And I mm-hmm. think. The, the the performance that that's kind of done to associate that you instantly like her like that's the first part like with within moments you love this woman like it's it's something where it's for me i think when you look at frozen as a comparison and there are a lot of comparisons with the two like there's something about the frozen characters that they're fun and they're great but they're quite surface level and there's something a little bit irritating about them at times but <laughs> moana is just you know, she's helping out her, her village. She's looking at and spending time with her grandma. She's got aspirations for bigger things. Just, my God, like, how great is that? And and she's this kind of, this glue that holds this whole film together that in, in a sense, she's the one uh, that, that's, that spins this idea of a character development arc that she also carries on. And she brings all of these other people with her and particularly Maui. You know, you think of his character development as he starts to kind of be who he is it's very much tied to Moana's own understanding of what she's capable of and, and moving from being a, you know, a, a, a younger person into being an adult. So the, the, again, I, I, you can obviously tell I've watched this 14,000 times I've, <laughs> <laughs> with, with my film critical hat on going, yeah, it's great, but she's incredible. And, and I think um, that one of the things, and this is going to be a tiny thing that I really love about this film and, and you don't see it in many of these Disney animated movies is they did the whole Marvel thing with this film that you do not see the title Moana until the very end. Like mm-hmm. this idea of, you know, there's a, there's a prime spot right at the very beginning at the start of the song where they could have thrown that stuff up where they're going all over the hills of the island. And instead they, they, they do that story like they do with Marvel where it's like, you know, that person's not Iron Man until the very end of the film or that person's mm-hmm. not Doctor Strange until here and it's we'll reveal the title then. It's, <laughs> it's a perfect example of Moana, you know, that she she earns her name by the end of the film. And I just love that little detail is just something very, very cool for that central character. Yeah, like I think that was my favorite scene, Daniel, when she was just sitting in front of Congress. Uh, she's like, and, and I am Moana. And then we get ACDC on the way out. Like, <laughs> Lynn Manuel, you are crazy for this one. Um, <laughs> but uh, like, I, I think that's a good point, though, in, in terms of 
like <laughs> the relatability, I think, because my nieces, you know, they, they range in ages from seven to 16. And I think the idea of dealing with family and dealing with community and cultural kind of responsibility, but also baggage and like, what, what, what am I supposed to be when I grow up? Like, what am I supposed to be doing? What is the right way to do things? And also, like, just because something's tradition doesn't mean it's always right. And so, like, I think just that idea and that notion, uh, when, when you're looking at a lot of these, these younger kids today, when they're coming up and just kind of looking at the things that the, the, the decisions and the mistakes, quite frankly, that their parents and their grandparents have made, uh, you know, in society, I think mm-hmm. there's that, like, that's always a question, Brian, where, like, how much do I want to cling to tradition and what has made my culture great, but also how can I push the boundaries? How can we make this society better? How can we make it more inclusive? How can we make it more compassionate? And and I think, you know, the, the way that Moana kind of starts the movie and then the way that we see her at the end, just this great leader, you know, through the course of her journey with Maui, uh, I think Moana, like, is one of my favorite Disney princesses. Oh, yeah, she she's fantastic, too. Uh, the actress is fantastic as well. Uh, and touching on some of what Daniel said, uh, this is not all about romance or marrying someone mm, to rule the mm-hmm. kingdom with her. She she's expected to rule this kingdom herself, and you know we we see her parents uh, like show you know do this from uh, an early age, and then she wants to expand upon that by going back to their Voyager roots and going beyond the reef. That was a big thing early on in the movie. Yep, and uh, yeah, as you know, as far as like uh, as a role model, um, you know, going back to even earlier point, representation absolutely matters. Um, this is all a secondhand anecdote, but I was listening to a podcast uh, one of my friends co-hosts uh, about Disney Plus and other stuff that's streaming. It's called the D Plus Cast. Check it out wherever it can be found. Uh, but uh, they were talking about Raya and the Last Dragon, recent mm, Disney release mm, that's mm. also deals with like Southeast Asian culture, which isn't always dealt with. One of the co-hosts brought on his fiance, who's of fi- Filipino descent or uh, Filipino heritage, and uh, she, she thought it was amazing how they touch on this uh, part of Asia that isn't always dealt with. And she also cited Moana as, you know, even though it's like a little further out uh, of how uh, representative that can be and how, like, she was amazed of how this character of Moana has the same hair as her and mm. how how she sees like little girls dressed like her at parks. And it's just, it's amazing. Yeah. I think that's like something that often gets lost in the shuffle, Um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, since we are talking Disney, like Marvel, Star Wars, like it's all part of the same family now. Like Mickey's got Mm -hmm. enough rooms in the house for everybody, Daniel, just like (laughs) the idea. And and it's something as, as somebody that is a fan of, you know, the, the comic property and the superhero stuff, like when you have audiences or I, I should say a portion of the audience, cause it's not, I don't even think it's the majority. It's just a very loud minority of mm. the audience that is like, you know, why, why, why does everything have to be about, you know, representation or, you know, like Captain Marvel, more like Captain feminism, uh, like, <laughs> which is, which is like, if, if you're going to, if you're going to be like rude to somebody, at least be clever. Like Captain feminism, <laughs> that doesn't even work. Um, uh, 
<laughs> as a as a joke, it doesn't even work, Daniel. But but it's, yeah. But but I think like when when you look at something like Moana, uh, and then like like I just brought up Captain Marvel. Like as a Marvel mm. fan, Captain Marvel to me is kind of on the lower end of the Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. But when I look at again, when I look at watching that movie with my nieces. And mm-hmm. how much they love that movie, and how much Carol and 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 Maria and Monica resonate with them, it's mm. like yeah, like every movie doesn't have to be made for everybody. And there are some people that can just watch Moana as another Disney film. It's an animated movie. I'll put it on. The kids will sing. It gets them out of my hair for an hour and a half. But mm. for someone else, like this movie, like uh, like Brian was saying, you know, somebody seeing themselves on screen like that, that can actually have a, a positive effect on folks. It, it, it can. And, and I think the, the argument against it is so stupid. Mm. Like, have we not had centuries of enough of just white, bland, boring culture? Like, don't we haven't, you know, when you flip that round and, and try to, to, to imagine, and I, I can't, like, I can't imagine what it's like for, you know, uh, a young boy to watch Black Panther for the first time and be inspired and go, my God, that's incredible. Or seeing someone who's, you know, from, you know, who has Polynesian heritage or Hawaiian heritage and, and watches a film like Moana and goes, oh my God, that's amazing. Like the, the, the you know, I, yes, the, the white privilege from my perspective is completely there that I don't understand that. But that doesn't mean that, that that's not, you know, a, a valid point that you shouldn't do more, if anything, uh, you know, particularly in, in kind of my, my day-to-day job, you know, I, I run a, um, uh, a video on demand service mm. and which deals with kind of cult films and horror films and, you know, uh, a lot of things in, in that space. But to me, I think one of the most fascinating areas you can have is I, I want to hear about other people's experiences. Mm-hmm. I, I want to hear more about, you know, the, the, the culture and, and the history and these things that I don't get told that I don't learn about. And, and to me, you know, I was thinking about how to, how to phrase this for, for, you know, looking at something like Moana where it feels authentic to me watching it. And I'm watching, and of course I am being extremely white and privileged saying that, but it's like when you watch a film like this and you, you, even I can feel the authenticity in it, even I can feel that there's elements in here that's not just being done for exploitative entertainment purposes that, mm. that, you know, like these discussions that keep coming up, like the Dr. Seuss books or things that are coming up around representation of different cultures. It's amazing how people still don't get that. It's like, you, you don't ha- get to have a problem with this. <laughs> you know, it's, it's you, you're okay. Cause all of your stuff from the last hundreds of years is still yeah. here and it's yep. still being made on mass mm-hmm. by the way. So it's like all these other things. And I think it, it's, it, to me, if you've just got, you know, one young person that, that is inspired or, or, or like, oh my God, like someone looks like me or someone sounds like me or that's how my family are or that's how my heritage is. You know, that's yeah. an incredible thing to have. And I think there absolutely needs to be way more of it. And, and I think representing, you know, uh, you know, as Brian was just saying, you know, I think th- the fact that it can represent uh, uh, cultures that maybe don't get represented too much on screen. I think particularly around, you know, Asia, you know, that the, in, in mm-hmm. particularly American cinema is, is quite rare that you see, you know, much more of that. So I, I think it's a really important part that Moana has done over the years that, you know, that people can learn more. And even me, like watching this film, 
I, I straight away wanted to know more about culture of 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 the of the people involved of of learning about Polynesian law, learning about you know the Pacific Islands and the history yeah. there, and understanding okay, well, what parts of this film are potentially offensive, <laughs> you know, which bits are, aren't quite right, you know, and, right. And, but I think it's uh, it's it's a really important part that in in films that they can do this and still be entertaining in an animated movie. Mm. And and then the other thing, like if you want to be purely cynical about this, Brian, like the more representation you have on the screen, the more potential dollars you can have in your bank account. And at the <laughs> at the end of the day, that's what Mickey's out here caring about. Mickey Mickey wants his money, and and so one of the things that I always go back to, guys, is when whenever I've talked to Alex Greenfield, a former WWE writer, and, and he's talking about his time writing the writing on SmackDown. When, in my opinion, SmackDown was never as black or as brown as it was when, when Greeny was writing, when you had Mark Henry and, and MVP and Rey Mysterio and cats like that uh, on the roster. And, and his thing was, like, there are so many black fans, so many Latino fans of, of professional wrestling that often are given, you know, the leftovers from the writers. Mm. And he was like, you know, if you've got talent like Mark or, or Ray or MVP, like, why wouldn't you highlight these guys? And if, if that means, you know, you widen the tent and get more eyeballs to the screen, then that's even better. And so, yeah, like, even even if you're only doing it to make money, like, I think there is there is value, Brian, in making making giving giving more menu options, right? Like, it doesn't all have to be – it doesn't all have to be tuna on 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 uh, wheat bread with the with the crust cut off, man. We can we can have we can have falafel out here. We can yeah. we can have sushi out here. We can we can have a taco on the menu. Like we can have a lot of different things, and it doesn't just have to be uh, uh, oatmeal. And I'm trying to think of the blandest thing I can think of, like oatmeal <laughs> and and dry toast <laughs> and a glass of milk. <laughs> glass of water. Yeah. Glass of water. <laughs> yeah it's like yeah absolutely everything you two are saying it's like say it louder for the people in the back it's <laughs> but yeah it, it it benefits the audience and you know it benefits people putting out these movies and shows it's like it's if you're not doing it, it's money left on the table it's what separates a regular marvel movie like iron man or captain marvel from a cultural phenomenon like black panther Mm. And uh, you know, Crazy Rich Asians, another one that really took off, uh, mm. you know, targeting a, a different market and took off huge. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then like I think like you know, last thing on that, like Shang Chi is going to hit big. Like mm-hmm. I think mm. Shang Chi is going to be a like I think Marvel knows it's going to be a hit because Marvel doesn't do much in the way of flops. Uh, but I don't think Marvel even knows like. I don't think they're going to be ready for how big this thing is going to be when, when it comes out. I, I know little to nothing about the character. I'm really looking forward to it. So Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, I think I might've read one Shang-Chi comic over the years, but, but even then, like, I, I think just based on their track record, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but, but back to Moana. So we've, we've kind of got our principal characters like Moana wants to save her people. Maui, you know, selfishly just wants to get his, he wants to get his power back. You know, he's, Maui is very much like Loki in this story. He feels very Loki-ish at the beginning of the movie. Uh, But then we're introduced to some, some of our big bads, some of our top heels in the territory. And, and we can't, 
we can't talk about these top heels, Daniel, without talking about Tomatoa. Oh man, Tama the crab. <laughs> voiced, voiced by the, the the most incredible performance by Jermaine Clement. Yes, like, it's mm-hmm. it's. I think this whole scene, this whole scene of 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 going to the mountain. You know the joke. The joke by by Maui of like the only way it opens is by human sacrifice. Like just just these killer lines before going in there. The world explores itself. These kind of crazy monsters and you know that freakish armed weird thing that moves her like it's really quite mm. like horror movie esque. And then in the middle you get this kind of you know New Zealand you know crap singing glittery thing. That just sounds like on paper, like that. That makes no sense. Like that's that's a that's a Vince McMahon idea at, at quarter to eight on a Monday evening kind of thing. You know, that's that's green slime on Braun Strowman. That's kind of that. That's the kind of idea that we're talking about here. But the execution of this thing, based around a simple concept, that's this giant ginormous crab that just loves glittery things. Like it's the campest, but yet most incredible kind of like like evil villain you could think of that I, I am all in on this. And I think that's one of the things with this film is just when you think the best performance is going to be the rock delivering this kind of like incredibly arrogant, egotistical demigod kind of uh, performance, you've got this killer performance by Jermaine uh, yeah, <laughs> that just, I, I can't get my head around. Like sometimes I watch that, that scene and just go, this is just a work of comedy genius. It's incredible. Yeah, he is so great in this, and and like I, outside of uh, Flight of the Concords and Men in Black Three, like I didn't have a lot of experience uh, with with uh, Jermaine Clement, but like he he was fabulous in this, and I think you need a villain like Tamatoa, like in the middle part of this movie before we get mm. to some of the heavier stuff mm. uh, at the end of the movie, because I think like you you need that bit of levity. You also need. Uh, Brian, like a suitable challenge for Maui to kind of get his groove back. Like, and this is like he's the perfect like upper mid card heel that that's got the flash, that's got this memorable theme song. Uh, but at the end of the day, like the challenge is 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 a worthy challenge, but it's not it's not the big boss, it's not the the top heel. Yeah, th- this is a this is a, a Fly of the Concords performance crossed with a video game boss fight. And I mean that as a compliment. <laughs> and Mo- Maui, Maui gets his butt kicked a lot. And it's up to, and they only uh, get by thanks to uh, a clever strategy by Moana. Like mm-hmm. make, her, make him think he, had, he could get the eye to feed him when it's not. It's something, it's a small rock covered in green algae, <laughs> as he said. Uh, yeah, so he, he is great. And we like, once he is defeated, spoiler alert, like we this is not the last we we see of of, of <laughs> Tomatoa because he he does like one of my favorite post credit scenes ever in any of these Disney Marvel Star Wars films is uh is is dealing with uh our our, our beloved coconut king crab here. Uh but but let's talk about the the true villain, quote unquote, of the movie. Uh and and that is uh, Taka, who is the this volcanic demon who wants the uh, the the heart. And I think the first time I saw this, 
uh, Daniel. Like I, I didn't get the swerve until like it happened. And I was like, Oh yeah, that totally makes sense. Like it, like as a grown, as a grown man watching this with my nieces, I didn't see the, see the trick until the trick happened. Uh, but now kind of having watched this, you know, a dozen times, it's like, yeah, it, it, it's a beautiful way to kind of tell this story. Uh, but, but, what do you make of Takai as kind of this omnipresent antagonistic force throughout this film? It's it, it it's terrifying, right? Like mm. the first time you see this thing, and you, you know, you said it just then, like you know, this is a this is a demon. You know, this is a you know something you don't you don't see in a kids film that much. You know, it's it's a, it's this giant you know earth destroying <laughs> lava monster that. It isn't until the end of the film, and obviously the the the, the Vince McMahon pulling back the hood, <laughs> me Austin all along kind of reveal, which I'm sure you know if there's a video edit to be made uh, for Botchamania, that would be a really good one. Um, but I think that, <laughs> uh, that 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 is something where I just think, you know, it's such a great again. You know, you've already gone through all these. You know, we've just been talking about you know culture and representation and and you know all these other things. And and then right at the end, you've got this swerve of a very kind of strong environmental message. Mm-hmm. It's just you know, and just like as you said, it suddenly hits you and you go, the heart. The you know, you're you're kind of you're doing it as they do the 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 beats. That's so cool. It's like. You've got the thing where she suddenly calmed down. You go, what's that? Mm-hmm. And then she puts the heart and you go, ah. and then it's like starts to kind of, and you go, ah. and it's just that, that kind of reveal in particular or something where, you know, you're just hit two or three times by something that was just this very, you know, uh, demonic force that's kind of been driven by losing one thing. And I think, you know, you, you when you then watch it and rewatch it, you know, and, and rewatch it a thousand more times like I have, <laughs> You, you you then look into these things and you look back at, you know, those early kind of, you know, scenes and realize, oh, she's actually just after the heart. She's after mm-hmm. this one thing. And I mean, it's uh, the the sequence at the end of this film, I think in particular as, as a as a culmination, as a kind of end, end part is just so epic and cool. Like I, I'm very fortunate of being able to watch this on a 4K TV that's pretty big downstairs that is the this scene is just nuts mm. like even five years ago like you know the, the the animation and the style and the and the tension that you're getting from just going into this final scene and that bit where it all just slows and moana's just stood there and she's just like slowly singing that song everything's slow motion mm-hmm. like oh man like that you, you know that i'm sorry but there's like there's no marvel movie that can pull that kind of thing off like that to me is just you know, real like epic kind of, and I think the fact that they slow that stuff down and, and to do that big reveal as well is just it kind of elevates that moment even more. Yeah, like I, I really love the this kind of finishing sequence here in this in this main event where you know we we find out that Takai is really Tafiti, and Tafiti has been, you know. The Wikipedia entry says Tafiti has been corrupted without the heart, but I would say, like, you know, especially coming off of, like, the WandaVision series, like, Tafiti has been just racked by grief all these centuries. Hmm. And this movie, you know, when, when you boil it down, Brian, is basically about folks trying to be whole. You know, uh, Moana is, like, this island life, you know, is is there's got to be more than this. You know, uh, Maui is I'm powerless. I don't I don't 
I'm not who I think I'm supposed to be. You know, he's he's Thor in in uh, in Endgame. You know, I, I don't have my hammer. Like I, I can't, I can't summon my hammer. I'm not worthy. <laughs> like Maui's feeling that type of loss, and then Taka is just like, like this is the grief and the anger uh, that has consumed Tafiti because of the loss of the heart. And so when you get that moment at the end where Moana wins, not by fighting, but by you know healing and being empathetic to Taka, like, and like you got this little tiny girl walking up to this huge monster and just like, it's going to be okay. And singing this song and restoring the heart. Like I thought that was a, a well done kind of finishing sequence, Brian. Uh, I agree. And I did not see it coming at all. Like I, it wasn't until like that very moment before what you just spoke about uh, mm. when I noticed that Taka was, of like a more feminine shape mm-hmm. along with that spot for the heart in her chest. And yeah, it is just incredibly ingenious in uh, how this is all pulled together. Yep. And then we get, I think an important part of this movie is, you know, we kind of get Maui's growth in that Maui has to apologize. Mm-hmm. Maui has to own up for what he did, and and we get like a like it's it's an important scene for Maui, but I think it's it's like a really cute scene too, uh, Daniel, where like uh, Tafiti's just kind of looking and like looking at Maui, and you can just tell like just just all the gears like this this mother this no good rascally son of a, <laughs> but but hey, at the same I'm... time there's 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 grace in 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 Tafiti. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was going to say that the, the similarities to Terry Bollea's apology backstage. Uh, <laughs> so what you're saying you know? is, 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 the is the is the new day, and Maui is Terry Bollea. <laughs> Just kind of, oh uh, yeah, sure, you're sorry. You know, uh, you actually didn't even say that. But do you know what I mean? Like, I think it's uh, it, it's a very good tip of the hat to this cheeky character do you know what i mean like mm. you know he's gonna change but he's not really gonna change but i think <laughs> you know he's, he's, a, he's a lot more humble by the end of it something yeah. that terry player never is so <laughs> i think it's quite um you know i'm sorry to be filling the podcast up with his uh with his name, name. that's <laughs> that's that's a completely different movie maui starring hulk hogan uh, oh God, starring hulk hogan that would just be trash you're, you're welcome, brother. Like, like yeah. I told you, I, I slammed to car seven hundred pounds. I slammed to car and caused and a volcano in the ocean, brother. He would uh. never take a bump though. Like that, that <laughs> Maui, Maui wouldn't be getting knocked out of anywhere. He wouldn't be kind of failing. Yeah, There'd be, be no character up. development. He would just win. Yes. He'd just win. He'd kick out of three. That's what he'd do. Yeah. <laughs> Terry's not getting roles like this. The best he could muster up is Adult Swim uh, content. Mm. <laughs> And even that was a mistake by Adult Swim. Uh, <laughs> but, 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 yeah, like, I think I, I kind of love that you're right. Like, like she forgives Maui. And, and, and the look that she gives, like, the look that I, I'm pretty sure, like, most, most women who have had to deal with men who are dumb just because, like, again, like, we, we've all been there, fellas. Like, we, we, we try to do the best we can, but. But our women in our lives know we're going to screw up because that's going to happen. Uh, but we don't mean nothing by it. And she's just looking like this, like he's going to screw up again, but I'm going to go ahead and give him his powers back because I need a nap. And and when, <laughs> when Tafiti just, like you can tell, like she is tired. <laughs> she is tired of all of this. Like 
all these centuries of being a, a volcano fire monster <laughs> and not having the heart. Like she just needs a nap. So she lays down, turns back into this island, and and everything is, you know, going back to the environment that you talked about, Daniel. Like once the love is restored and the heart is restored, everything else you see, like just all of that was wrong with with what was going on starts to starts to heal and i think that mm. that is kind of the the underlying message like it, there there has to be healing that takes place and so like i love that that the the problem is solved not really through fighting even though there is some some confrontation but it's solved through empathy and and you know thinking thinking about the other person which which is rare right i mean that's that's mm. the I mean, take a take the last few years, even the last twelve months for you guys in the U.S. You know, it's mm. it sounds crazy to kind of you know, and I, I feel I feel this this entire review has just gone from you know a very surface level kind of like animated movie starring The Rock to you know some incredible deep discussion and debate, which I think is just incredible. But I think it's it's great, right? Like, how great is it to have a have an animated film that your kids can love and 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 just sit and watch, you know, forever? But then at the same time, you can have something that that speaks so much around, you know, empathy and so much around family as being important. Like, that's what's so cool about the conclusion of this film is this is this is about a young girl leaving her family for the first time, mm-hmm. taking a lot of risks, taking a lot of kind of like you know, learning about herself. And at the end, come back stronger, different, and and actually having a family accept her for what what she now is, like realizing through that distance that actually, hey, you know, we 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 love her, and and actually we do need to let her go. We do need to let her go to, you know, and and the you know the thing that kind of goes through the whole uh, film is is the way, you know, not you know it's. Uh, not a faction in a wrestling uh, organization, but you know something that. That, that gets raised a lot, you know, which way am I going? You know, mm-hmm. this is the way, you know, and it's like the idea of a path that, that ultimately is pre, potentially predetermined for you is, doesn't necessarily mean that that's the way it's going to go. And I think there's some really interesting parts by the time you reach the end of this film that, you know, you're not going to get from many other films of this deep and, and hell no, you're not going to get it from Frozen. So it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's great to have that as that conclusion. Yeah, and I think, you know, it, it's something that you probably won't get on the first viewing. It's something that takes a couple watches for everything to kind of sink in, uh, you know, because our, our final scene, you know, we, we get uh, Maui and Moana, you know, kind of parting ways, even though, like, it, it's, it's not forever. Like, you know, Maui, Maui can't stay out of trouble. Uh, no. And so Moana takes up her role. Like, she becomes the leader she was meant to be, but she does it in her way. And she's leading her people as they finally resume, like, leaving the island and going out and, and seeking what is out there uh, over the horizon. And so, like, Moana, when we leave her at the end of the movie, Moana has fully grown into who she's going to be. Uh, you know, Maui's become a slightly better demigod. Uh, you know, Tafiti uh, <laughs> finally gets some rest after all these years. And, and I, I think there's... There's something there, uh, Brian. Like, it's it's a great conclusion, but it's also like, yeah, like you want you want to see more. So who knows? Maybe if they do 
bring this to a Disney Plus type of series? Like, I think, like, there's more adventures that could be told in, in the world of Moana. Well, yeah, certainly, because, you know, they're setting off to voyage and find new land, and Maui's still flying around in his hawk form uh, <laughs> by the end. So, yeah, if they want to go that route, they probably could. They got, like, they got a sequel out of Frozen. They got, like, an animated series out of Tangled and Big Hero 6 and all this other stuff. So, yeah, that's another, always... like Big Hero Six is another one I forgot about. Like that's another forgotten Disney I love that film, love film. That film. and like like Disney and Marvel and like nobody yeah. really talks about Big Hero Six. Yeah, it's it. But then I think that that you know when you see the announcement they did of the Disney Plus series, which are kind of expanding Moana, expanding Big Hero Six, potentially expanding Zootopia as well. Mm. But you, they're they're now returning to. Um, you know, these kind of, I, this kind of IP, you know, mm. the, Disney Plus is, is you know, uh, a, you know, and, that, and again, the, the streaming video world is kind of what I've done as a career for the last kind of 12 years. So when you see something like Disney Plus and, and the success that it's had, I think it's even more fascinating to understand now, like what they've just done with WandaVision, um, mm. that they're able to now scale a, a, a movie style production into something that they've now got the end-to-end viewing, you know, system. That's the thing Disney have always wanted. The, you know, as much as people talk about the cinemas and the theaters and, oh, isn't it great? And, it's, you know, we should bring that back. And, you know, the Disney really needs this and Marvel really needs this. Of course they don't. Like, D- Disney didn't own the cinemas. Disney don't own the theaters, don't own mm-hmm. that side of the business. They don't even own the retail when they're selling DVDs. Like, they don't mm-hmm. own Walmart and Target. So it's like... What these companies want, and they they're going down the road as someone like Apple want you to you know about their films and TV, and they want you to watch it how they want you to watch it. And I think that's what's so cool now is that you could probably you know let's say five years ago, six years ago, uh, or, or just after you know Moana in twenty sixteen. If they tried to do a Moana series, it'd be dreadful. You know, they wouldn't do hardly any of the kind of CG. It would probably be like badly animated. It would just mm-hmm. be kind of like outsourced and made for like ten ten thousand dollars an episode or something whereas now they could probably bring instead of the, the rock instead of the instead, <laughs> i will say instead of the rock they'd have sunny siaki voice in maui oh geez like that's <laughs> shout out to all the tna heads out there <laughs> oh man it's 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 something where i think that that is so cool now that you could get you know um you could go back to the things that they've they're really good at like yep. yeah, and 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 who's who's not to say that they they won't be looking at doing a Moana live action version at some point? Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. totally feasible. Like the, you know they're slowly making their way through their films. You know they're up to kind of like the late nineties right now with Mulan. So you know we're starting mm-hmm. to kind of you know will they make a dinosaur film? I don't think so. I don't think that's necessarily <laughs> on the cast. But I think that there's still a lot to be done here. That I think you know, if you did a live action version of Moana, I mean, that would be God, that would be that, awesome. That would be and bring, and bring the rock back. Bring I was going to say, the, like, uh, yeah, unlike you know, uh, Robin Williams with uh, Aladdin, like, like Dwayne is is still here with us, and he's still in in great shape. So yeah, he could easily re- reprise his role as Maui. Like that. Just thinking about like. Taka on on the big screen in live action like that's That'd incredible. Be, that's scary. I'm not going to give him for that one. I'll wait for it on Disney Plus. <laughs> Actually, he, Dwayne would need Roman's hair. He would need Roman's hair mm. to pull it off. And you could, hey, I'd even put Roman out there to be the live action version of uh, of Maui. Like I'm, Ooh. I'm, 
Hey, see, the thing is, I, I'm a big Roman Reigns fan. I've been for many years, so let's just let's put it out there, man. Let's start. Let's start the 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 uh, the Roman Reigns uh, picture show. We can we can start the uh, the career off right now. I'm 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 not against that casting. Really, it's just like wow, I'd never thought of that. But yeah, we. It's, it'll be time to acknowledge him as a leading man <laughs> with roles like that. He's the, he's the head of the table. Uh, That's it. That's it. Uh, but before we, uh, we, we kind of get to our reviews, I did want to touch on something real quick because uh, uh, Daniel did bring it up, you know, in, in terms of just kind of the way things have been going the last 12 months. Some could say the last, you know, four years, five years, uh, some could say the last 200 years of American history in terms of the way people relate to each other and interact with each other. And like, I almost, I almost didn't do this review this week uh, just because of what's going on. And if you're listening to this in the future, uh, you know, this, we're recording this uh, the weekend of uh, March 18th, March 19th, uh, 2021. And this is after the mass murder in Atlanta of uh, several uh, Asian Americans in Atlanta. And so like, there was a part of me that didn't even want to do this review because I didn't know, I didn't know what the, what the, what the spirit, what the energy would be on, on mm. the show today. Uh, and fortunately, like we've, we've had a good time with this, but I do think like speaking of a property like Moana, which has such ties to, uh, you know, the, the Asian American Pacific Islander community. Like, I think we would be remiss if we didn't kind of just talk, talk about it for just a second. Cause I think mm. like there is, there is value in, again, getting to what we talked about earlier, that representation and having an appreciation for other people's cultures and a respect, like, like you don't have to, you like love everything that somebody puts out or love every piece of media from another culture. But I do think like there's this baseline of respect that has seemed to be missing uh, lately. And I think everything much like, uh, you know, when we talk about, you know, George Floyd and black lives matter, when we talk about, you know, what happened with Breonna Taylor, like I think there's a lot of these underlying conditions, particularly in America that were exacerbated by the pandemic and the, the, the rise in violence against our uh, Asian-American brothers and sisters, like, that's part and parcel of that. And so, like, I think, like, I wouldn't have been able to do the show had we not mentioned that because, like, like I said, Brian, like, I almost was, like, getting ready to call you and Daniel last night or email you and Daniel last night and be like, you know, guys, we'll, we'll, we'll wait a week on this because the, the energy's not right. Hmm. Yeah, Nate Milton week can hold off a little bit. Uh, yes. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, but you know, in, re- in regards to what happened in Atlanta, it's just it's just horrible. Th- it's just it's all I can say is it's horrible, and also words matter. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, totally, totally understandable. Yeah, and 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 the other thing, like uh, Daniel, like mental health is something that needs to be addressed and needs to be talked about, and that's why I'm glad like we've got uh, the wellness policy up here uh, mm. in, in the post wrestling network. Cause I think, you know, particularly after the year that we've all kind of been through collectively, that is mm. something like, uh, like uh, we need to check on, like Marshawn Lynch would say, take care of your chickens and your mentals. Uh, <laughs> but, but I, I think I, you can't use mental health as a scapegoat or as an excuse for no. something like what happened in Atlanta. And so like, I think like 
we we need to call it what it is. Like it's racism, it's violence, it's hate, and like mm-hmm. there might be a mental health component, but that's that's not what we're talking about right now. It's it's the same, you know, and and, and obviously, you know, I, I I see this from in the UK, which you know, hey, we've got our own crazy crazy world going on most of the time, but you know, it, it's it's really hard to to watch how the U.S. has has changed in the last kind of five years. You know, Mm. I I would be out in the U.S., you know, once or twice a year, every year for the last kind of 10 years for for business or for, you know, for, you know, just enjoyment. And, you know, it it, when you see the events of something like what's happened in Atlanta and and the the seeing the kind of the news reports, the U.S. media reports and, and, and the, the conversations from, you know, police and the conversations from reporters. And it's quite crazy to me to watch that when you see something that is, that is an absolute horrendous, you know, tragedy, you know, driven by racist kind of, uh, um, kind of dialogue that, is, that has become an, uh, an almost normal part of the conversation in, in American media and, and I think has been allowed to perpetuate for such a long time mm. that it goes past the kind of the dog whistling that, that has been in the past to something that you see, the absolute horrible final effects of something like yesterday. Uh, and I think it's, it's, um, it's a strange part where, you know, you see the, if somebody was to do this from a different culture, you know, somebody was to act out like this in a different culture, the 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 conversation would be very different. And we wouldn't, of course, we wouldn't be talking about, you know, someone's mental health. Of course we would not. We would be talking about, you know, just, oh, they're, they're full of hate. They hate this, da, 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 they're insane, they're a terrorist, whatever else it might be. And I think it's it's moments like this that, you know, I just really wish that the more people would understand the impact of their words, the impact mm-hmm. of their actions, and and we are in a, a 24-7, everything live world. It's very overwhelming for many people and people like this guy, um, you know, getting fed this level of hatred, this level of perpetual communication around, you know, uh, uh, sex workers and, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and other races and all these other things that are demonized quite wrongly. People don't seem to understand that those things do have an impact. And I think... If anything, we're at a point now, and, and, and I just hope, even though unfortunately I'm going to be very cynical about it, that, that things are learned, that things are learned around, you know, gun control and things are learned around, you know, what you can say within, you know, that kind of world. And I think, um, I, I do hope, I really do hope that these kind of events and the changes that, you know, the US has been going through the last uh, couple of months with, you know, new president, new world, I, I hope that something kind of, you know, really positive comes from it. But I think we're at the moment where we're still reading from just this absolute horrendous tragedy and loss of human life based on just stupid, small-minded, bigoted mm-hmm. people that should be just, I don't know, man. I feel like anything more I say starts to become uh, <laughs> a bit more passionate and uh, probably uh, divisive and all these other things. Well, but, there's yeah. so much kind of tied into it. Like there's the language, there's the 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 hate, there's the misinformation and disinformation that, that is being spread on a daily basis. There's the like part and parcel of kind of the, the racism element is the sexism where mm-hmm. we don't value women the way that we should, where sex workers aren't treated with 
you know, the same respect as somebody else with another job in media. Like, you know, they, they, there's, there's this otherism and, you know, mm-hmm. kind of t- t- finding the, the awkward transition back to Moana. I think that's why, you know, that, that final conflict with uh, Taka is so powerful because it would be very easy to just look at this monster and say that like, this is something that needs to be destroyed. This is something that has less value than our heroes in this film. But mm. Moana's like, no, like there's something human. There's something, well, maybe not human, but there's something uh, on an empathetic level that I can relate to this person on. And mm. instead of fighting, instead of using, you know, her fist, Moana's like, you know, let me, let me be empathetic. Let me listen to you and talk to you on a human being level. And that's how we get the conflict resolved. And, and so like, I guess that's, that's kind of where I think maybe if, if we can take the application from this animated film from five years ago and, and apply it to real world consequences, it would be, you know, just having that empathy and respect for other people and their cultures and, and what they've been through. It's, it's hard. And, and I, I I think, you know, I'm hopeful that, um, you know, the positive and the good will win out in some way, shape, or form. Uh, you know, I, I, I have to think that, right? I have to think that because you know, I've got a daughter and I've got a, another one due in, in September. And mm. I have to think that for, you know, my, my, my daughter, that it's going to be a better world, that it's going to be better for her as a, as a, as a woman growing up, you know, as a, you know, that she can understand you know, and, and to me, trying to teach that and trying to teach to understand other cultures and understand, you know, that, that just because we live this way doesn't mean everyone else does. Um, you know, it's, it's a real challenge that I think, unfortunately, has just grown for so many years now that, that I think taking a resolution um, on this, again, this crazy film, Moana, right, that, <laughs> that deals with these, exactly this issue uh, of otherness, of, of, being scared of the unknown. And, and mm-hmm. it's amazing what fear can do to people. You know, fear can make people unaccountable. Fear can make people like react people. And, and when they start to con- combine their fears together, they come into groups and mm-hmm. those groups will share those fears. And they suddenly go, well, you know, we can all, I feel a bit stronger now. I feel a bit more confident about, you know, being fearful of that thing. It's, it's it, like that old line from Men in Black where, you know, Will, uh, Will Smith is like, you know, why can't we tell people the truth? People are reasonable. And mm. Tommy Lee Jones is like, a person can be reasonable and rational. People are scared. People are violent. People, you know, jump to conclusions. And, and that, that group think, I think, you know, from a specific segment of the population, it's, it's like, yeah, like it's built on the foundation, like you're saying, of other like these aren't real americans and that's Mm. that's like the 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 seed of this is why we're going to put violence against you know our asian brothers and sisters or or our african-american brothers and sisters our latino brothers and sisters our gay you know brothers and sisters like that's that's the root of all of that like these people are other than they're not part of our tribe and because they're not part of our tribe they don't deserve the same respect as us yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, uh, Daniel, everything you've said about this subject has been so on point and just, you know, 
extremely thoughtful and yeah i i couldn't have said it better myself so appreciate that and, and uh yeah i i certainly hope in like future conflicts in real life we can learn something from this movie mm. and when we encounter the real life lava monsters in real life we mm. can find a way to their hearts and try to sort stuff out, out properly before it leads to violence so mm-hmm. And, and and again, like that's that's something that I think like we can take lessons from because, you know, I've, I've you know, I, Brian and I, uh, Brian Mann and I have talked about it in the past. Like you can have disagreements with folks, but at the end of the day, there's a person there and it it might be hard to see that person underneath the layers of whatever their their offensive beliefs may be or, you know, their their political leanings may be. But I think it all starts on a conversation, and then mm-hmm. that's something we need more of uh, these days. Uh, but but speaking of conversations, the I think the biggest question this movie poses comes at the very end, where where we are led to believe what what would happen? Would we help this crab if his name was Sebastian? <laughs> I mean, this is. I mean, this just kind of sums it up, right? You know, I mean, this is, you know, crab on his back. What does that represent? You know, this this kind of Kiwi guy, you know, this bad person that we don't understand, this monster, he's on his back. But, you know, if he had another name, if he had another name of something you knew, you know, something you're familiar with, you know, something <laughs> you think's cute and small and you can control and it can Perfect. sing some you know, slightly cultural, com- <laughs> culturally uh, not quite on the on the nose songs. You've got to sit there and think. You know, uh, yeah, maybe maybe you would flip him over, but uh, you know, it's it's. Um, I like to think he's still there. I like to yes. think he's still there on his back. You know, that's that's uh, part of me. As as killer as that song was, I I do like the fact that he's uh, he's suffering a little bit. Maybe, maybe that, that'll be resolved in the Disney Plus series. He'll finally, we'll spend like a, a six episode arc of, of we're flipping him back over onto his, onto his right side. Yeah. <laughs> also, not for nothing, but Sebastian being red, uh, typically crustaceans, uh, especially lobsters, they only turn red when they're cooked. So mm. Sebastian may be a zombie. Yeah, I'm with that. That's scary. Mm. That's that's really scary. That, that changes the whole Little Mermaid for me now. <laughs> Um, I'm, everything too. It's I was gonna say, I'm look, looking forward to seeing uh, seeing the uh, David Diggs version of Sebastian. Ooh, <laughs> tying this back to Lin Manuel. Like, I, when when I heard that bit of of casting news, I was like, that that seems perfect. Exactly. Yeah. Either either David Diggs or Kofi Kingston with his fake Jamaican accent. That's those are the only <laughs> actors I will accept for Sebastian. Do you smell what the rock uh, <laughs> Uh, but it is now time, gentlemen, to uh, get to our rating for Moana. And for those that are new to the program, we have a five-point rating scale. If a movie is perfect, if a movie is excellent and Dwayne is excellent in it, that is a five out of five. We just went one-on-one with the great one. If a movie is good, if it's, you know, a solid film, an enjoyable film, and Dwayne is pretty good in it, that's a four out of five. That's a people's champ. If a movie isn't great, but it's not terrible, if it's just kind of there, you know, a good rainy Saturday afternoon film, that's a three out of five. That's a know your role. If a movie is bad, but Dwayne is good in it, or if a movie is 
kind of good, but Dwayne is just not his best. That's a two out of five. That's a jabroni joint. But, gentlemen, if a movie is terrible, if a movie has no redeeming qualities, if a movie is doomed, that's a one out of five. <laughs> that is a rock bottom. So, Brian, yes. on this scale of one to five, what would you rate 2016's Moana? Well, it's definitely not Doom. Uh, This is a movie. It made me laugh. It almost made me tear up. It had Mm. me smiling from ear to ear. I thought it looked gorgeous. I thought the voice cast was amazing. I thought the songs were amazing. There's so much amazing stuff that we haven't even talked about from this movie. Uh, It's a 5 out of 5. So, Brian, going with a 5 out of 5. One-on-one with the great one. Also, yes. Uh, I after watching this, I I had to look up. Did this win the Oscar for Best Animated Feature that year? I had to look it up and said, no, it did not. Zootopia won it. So, but understandable. But it made me think that. Either either way, Mickey was getting Mickey was getting the statue that year. Absolutely. <laughs> Mickey likes to likes to cover his bets. Uh, but but Daniel, on on our rating scale here. What mm. would you give Moana? I think I know, it's, but what would you give Moana? It's it's definitely a one. It's uh, mm. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's just one. Yeah, it's terrible. It's Doom level. It's uh, Race <laughs> to Witch Mountain. <laughs> I think Race to Witch Mountain doesn't get spoken enough of its uh, you know dealing with cultural mm. issues and environmental issues that you know we should go back. It's a five. The, the, the Jack Bruno five. cinematic universe. <laughs> uh, yeah, Moana's a five. Like mm. if this if the scale could go Meltzer and go to a seven, I would. Um, but it's not quite uh, a Omega Ricardo levels at the moment. So um, you know, to me, it's it. I will fight the case uh, until a better film comes out. But it is without doubt the best Disney animated film there is. And I'm not mm. counting Pixar right now. I'm saying Disney animated film to me. This is the best one there is. It just ticks every single box you could possibly imagine. If you haven't seen this film, go and watch this film right now. Start this podcast from the beginning <laughs> after watching it. And it's just, uh, yeah, you, you will be, if you don't like this film, I would be shocked. So, yeah. And listen to that Black Beetle song in between. Yes, that's, that's the perfect way you set it up. Uh, <laughs> I, Here's the thing, like, because I hadn't seen Moana in probably a year since the last viewing. And so going into the podcast this week, I was like, I, I had written down on my page a four out of five. And going back and rewatching it this week, I was like, oh, no, this is this is even better than I remembered. It. You know, and, and uh, I think the mark of a good film or a great film is that its quality only gets better over time, depending on the the atmosphere in which you watch it. And like I think, like bringing all this COVID stuff into this la- this latest viewing of Moana, it's like yeah, like the 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 need for something greater than what you currently have. And you know, talking about grief and loss with with uh, Tafiti uh, and and Maui, who's just like. I need I need not only my power but my purpose, and all of this stuff and the performances and the songs, uh, and and the visuals like it all just kind of came together. And I'm like, yeah, this movie is better than I remember. Uh, I, I think like this is this is one of the few movies I think going back looking at looking at the ratings 
Uh, Fast and Furious 5 got a perfect five across the board. And I think that's it. So Fast 5 and I think Fast 7 might have had a a perfect five across the board, too. I have to go back and double check. Uh, So, yeah, Moana joins the the Pantheon (laughs) with Paul Walker and, and, and Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham. Uh, Moana and Fast and Furious. And I think that's fitting, gentlemen, because at the end of the day, outside of wrestling, Rock is going to be known for Maui and Hobbs, I think. (laughs) When his career is all said and done, like those will be the two roles he's most known for. I I have have a quick question. Uh, If having Rock already conquered the Fast franchise and this Disney movie, and going on to a DC movie in the mm. near future, what other uh, touchstones could he reach in his career? Because right now I'm thinking Marvel, obviously, maybe yeah. Star Wars, and a director of great renown like a Spielberg. Yeah, there's the, 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 I think the big thing missing would be like that dramatic turn. Like mm-hmm. he needs. He needs his whatever his Forrest Gump would be, whatever his Malcolm X would be, like whatever, like that big dramatic show showcase. That's that's the thing I think missing from his uh his resume right now. So, so he didn't get that in Southland Tales. I was about to say Southland Tales, right? That's it's pretty much the uh, the perfect kind of size of an of an indie film. He he needs to go to the Dave the Dave Batista route. You know, mm, he needs to mm-hmm. kind of get a few of those, you know. Big films, like again, if you think of you know Dave's kind of involvement in the that kind of uh, the new Blade Runner film, or say later Blade Runner film, that's yeah. kind of what he needs. He needs like more of a you know slightly more downtrodden, and you can see from his range. Like I think I, I, this is going to sound a weird one to reference, but you'll be doing it in a, a few months' time, Nate. But Skyscraper, as strange as mm-hmm. that is, like his character in that is really fascinating character, and I just think that yeah, that that to me, I, I would say. The, the easy ones are, yeah, put, giving him a Marvel role, like a big Marvel role, like a big character, well-known character yeah. could be quite interesting. But I think giving him like a serious, you know, uh, kind of character kind of thing, like Will Smith did this in kind of like, you know, the, the early to, to mid-2000s where he kind of did a lot of kind of really standout performances. Um, he's You're got saying Rock needs, Rock needs his own pursuit of happiness. That's it. That's yes. you, you, he needs to have something that's going to give him the Oscar. He needs that one Oscar, man. And and whether whether he's going to do it between making Jungle Cruise two and three, I'm sure at some point, and running for president, like he's going to be a busy guy. So he needs to get that Oscar under his belt soon. I, I think I, I would love to see Rock work with somebody like uh, a Regina King, uh, oh. somebody that would push the Rock in a different direction. Uh, like I think there's there's some really interesting, particularly like uh, black filmmakers, that might be able to explore a different part of the rocks the rocks cultural upbringing because uh, we know like the connection he has to his Samoan side and his Samoan roots. Uh, but mm. I think there's an aspect of the rock as like this prominent black man in American culture that doesn't get that doesn't get explored enough quite frankly and i think like if you had somebody like a regina king uh, uh you know kind of behind the scenes steering a project like that i think that could be really interesting 
Definitely. That mm. could be a, a fascinating kind of uh, approach that, you know, could combine all of these things up together, you know, get, get you know, uh, a prominent role in something like that could be, that would be the, the, the icing on the cake. Your podcast can finally end yes. in, in 26 years time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing. Like I think due, like due to COVID, the, the, we're starting to catch up to Dwayne just a little bit. Uh, yeah. But I feel like starting next year, like once Rock is able to actually film in the way that he he is accustomed to, like he'll 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 take off again because we still got like you said, Black Adam, which I think is going to be a really interesting movie in the DC pantheon. Uh, mm. Like there's a lot of stuff that I think Dwayne has ready for us. Uh, unfortunately, uh, COVID has kind of messed that up a bit. Mm-hmm. Much like yeah. it has a lot of things. Exactly. Uh, but the the one thing COVID didn't mess up was this this podcast, gentlemen. Uh, and, and before we get out of here, any final thoughts? I know Brian had said that, you know, we, we just kind of barely touched. We, we barely scratched the surface an hour and 30 minutes in uh, to this <laughs> podcast on Moana. So is, are there any kind of big things about this film that really spoke to you that you you want to talk about before we wrap up this week? Uh, I mean, I, I would say uh, the music, I, I guess, is is something we, you know, we talked a little mm-hmm. bit about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, seeing that there's a, a bunch of extras with this film, and trust me, I've seen everything about this film. <laughs> um, but there's an incredible uh, piece on, I think it's on Disney Plus. It may be on like one of the extras versions on the Blu-ray or something. But there's a, an incredible thing with with um, with Lin Manuel and, and um, uh, Mark Mancino and, and um, I can't remember the name of the other guy, the the Polynesian guy that they write a lot of the music with. And and seeing the process of them writing is absolutely incredible. It's so fascinating because, you know, you've got someone who can write really catchy, uh, very modern pop culture style, you know, uh, musical uh, performances mixed with someone who's got a very traditional music score kind of background. And then somebody from this kind of very culturally Mm. different kind of world and to come up with these songs that are just bangers, like yeah. just like from the get go, every one of these songs, like when you listen to this soundtrack, there, there's not there's not a, a dud on this. There's there's a you know an incredible uh, ability to to you know all these themes we've been talking about, and they're able to kind of produce them in this music that is just great. Like, and I think you you go from you know, the, the, you know, there's more traditional songs where they're kind of doing a montage of like what they did in the past. And you've got like a killer track in that. And then you've got, you know, kind of Tamatoa's kind of performance, you've got the rocks performance. So I think the music is, is still something that, you know, that I think will, if the film lives on, you know, in, in pop culture for many years, I think mm. the music is going to do so even more. I think the music is something you can absolutely listen to, you know, on Spotify, as John Pollock, I'm sure, does uh, <laughs> many, many times a day by the sounds of things. So, um, but yeah, I think that 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 to me is is a really key part of this uh, of this film that I absolutely love. Yeah, definitely. Again, Lin Manuel Miranda, uh, Mark Mancina, uh, who like if you've got Training Day and Moana on your resume, you're doing something right. <laughs> uh, and then the uh, third gentleman that you were talking about is uh, Opataya. Hawaii. I, and I, yes. again, I'm probably butchering that, but uh, yeah, like I think just that combination, that fusion of 
genres and styles, and and that it makes sense because that's that's like all Lin Manuel Miranda does, and I don't mean to say all he does in a reductive sense, but like Lin Manuel Miranda is nothing if not this genius mad scientist that can take one style, mix it with another style, and come out with something that is catchy and hooky and stays in your brain. Make way, make way. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> just that that line at the start of that first song when he's just like, make way, make way. I'm like, how that hasn't been sampled a thousand times mm. in a ton of hip hop tracks, I don't know because it's just like, it's just so bold and so cool yes. that I just think it's, uh, there's there's a lot you can do with something like that. It should be Roman Reigns' new theme music. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 dressed like Maui. Yeah, that could be. Yes, uh, yes. Could be a really good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Be his new catchphrase. You're welcome. <laughs> Do his tattoos get animated in the live action version? Oh <laughs> man, that would look crazy, right? That's honestly, you, you you start giving WWE more of these kind of big TV money deals. They'll probably mm. have the money to do it live. They'll do like. 63 cuts between his arms moving and and then end up kind of moving his tattoos at the same time so they've got those four they've got those 8k cameras that's what they'll do next yeah it's yep, kind of yep. ar based <laughs> ar based kind of live roman reigns tattoo moving yeah. mm. smell of vision eventually yeah <laughs> so uh daniel any final thoughts on moana and and uh, again as our resident disney expert uh, any thoughts on like this this franchise i guess you could say uh going forward well i think that the the tv series i think is going to be really interesting i think the concerns that anyone had about how disney or this new disney plus world uh were going to do you know a marvel series is a good indication of what they could potentially do with the source material and we'll see Mm -hmm. now with you know, Falcon, the Winter Soldier, and by the time someone's listening to this many months or years from now, all the many other series they have, I, I think it really kind of bodes well to how well they're going to potentially do something like this. I think, you know, they're not going to be just throwing out something trashy. And I, I personally would love to see another Moana film. I think that there's there's parts of the, of the culture in particular that, you know, as it, I think I mentioned earlier, that I've since learned, particularly around Hina, which is the the other um, the kind of goddess part of Maui, which is in mm. traditional Polynesian. It's it's the two of them together. That's one of the kind of criticisms that came out that you know it was actually Hina and Maui together would you know do a lot of the things that Maui shouts about. Okay. And and I think as a story, like that mm. would be a really fascinating second film to introduce mm. this you know goddess that actually the whole thing that Maui talks about saying you're welcome, yes. but actually he didn't do half of that stuff. And that mm. is a really cool idea of bringing this character in to be wow. like, well, actually you say yeah. you're welcome, but I, I don't know, man. Like I, I did a bit of that. Right. And I, I like so that. I, think, I like that a lot. I think that that, that could be a starring really Nia Jax. <laughs> My whole. Yeah. Oh. No, yeah. It's, um, but I think that 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 would be a really you know starting to kind of expand on that world. I think yeah. having um, Maui play up play with someone who's in that different kind of you know similar world, you know, mm-hmm. who's a goddess kind of thing. I think is quite cool. So I think it's in there there you know the the future of the of the character and and the franchise. Um, I think is in really good hands. I, I don't I don't imagine that they're going to butcher this up. So love yeah. to see a film, but hey, I'll take a series. Yeah, and I, honestly, like I think. 
And then Kevin Smith said this on a recent edition of uh, Fat Man Beyond with Mark Bernard. And when he was talking about the Marvel series, it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll always be here for the films. But if you can give me this type of storytelling in, you know, 30, 40 minute chunks mm-hmm. and get deeper into this stuff, like I'm here for it. And I think, yeah, like with the money at Disney Plus, now you can get somebody like The Rock signed on for a short run as opposed mm. to, you know, if they were putting this on the Disney Channel, you know, five years ago, where <laughs> we'd have Sonny Siaki saying make way and nobody wants that. And Joe Jonas, yeah, and Demi <laughs> Levine, yeah, it would yes. be, that would not be good. <laughs> uh, so that that is going to do it for our Moana episode. Uh, before we wrap things up with the fellas here in the theater, let's find out what is playing next time in the cinema. It is a return to the Fastiverse for 2017's Fate of the Furious. They're still on us. These guys are taking this personal. You were only supposed to create a diversion, Roman. That was complete destruction. What you want from me? I'm Roman Pierce, man. It's what I do. Phase two. Phase two? What's phase two? Bounds away. You know what I like about you, Dom? You're a genuine outlaw. But you're a family. The hell of a job, brother. When we get back to the base, beer's on me. He's about to go up against the only thing they can't handle. You. Did you ever think you'd betray your family the way you did today? Dominic Toretto just turned on us. Well, well, well. Did you look at that? I don't know why he's doing this, but that wasn't Dom. She's the very definition of high-tech terrorism. And now, she's working with your guy. I think I found my team. This should be interesting. Play like that. Ouch. This is impossible. Which is why you're gonna need a little help. I will beat you like a Cherokee drum. We about to go up like that took longer than I expected. If you're gonna catch Dom, you guys are gonna work together. Surprise. I just fell in love. I've been waiting for this. We got a tank. Let's roll. Here they come. I don't know if the old Dom is in there. I don't give a damn. I'm taking you down. Toretto, let's play. Me. I don't know, maybe because you're in an orange Lamborghini. Shut up, Cash. Switch it, switch it up, like. Switch it up, speaker box blast, 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 blast. Speaker box blast, go rat tat tat We about to go up like. Oh, shit. We're going to need a bigger truck.
Yeah, so so who knows? We might have another one-on-one with the great one, five out of five on our hands, gentlemen. <laughs> Fate of the Furious. And, and is that is that going to be with those guys that just watch those Fast and the Furious films again and again? Yeah, we're gonna, we're going to bring the Joes back. We might have some more guests. That we like we we might need to get an expert on um on a, a white girl dreadlocks because that is a look a mood that uh Charlize Theron blesses us with in this film uh as cipher so we we will have the joes back and and maybe uh like i've got i've got some uh, uh other guests who have been wanting to hop on these fast reviews for for a little bit so we might have an expanded crew next time around excellent okay. uh but before we get to that crew we have to say goodbye to this crew and we will start with our brother brian who uh made his first run here in the theater and uh, it was a good run, sir. I'm glad that uh, you were able to make it work. We were able to sit down and, and, and watch Moana and, and give our thoughts on it. And again, thank you for your contribution during the uh, hangout last year to, to uh, benefit, you know, folks that are, that are Absolutely. combating uh, the, the coronavirus. So before we let you go, Brian, any, anything you want to plug, anything you want to mention? I know, uh, I know you're out here making, making moves in this real estate game. So if you want to talk I about am. that for a second, uh, you can, you can, uh, speak on that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first off, thanks for having me again. Uh, I am a licensed real estate agent within the state of New Jersey. I'd be remiss not to mention that my office is century 21 Alliance in Mefford, New Jersey, my hometown, great set of agents. So, any listeners in New Jersey, I can absolutely help you out. My office can help you out. And if it wasn't for my work in real estate and keeping up with friends and family, uh, I would not be on Facebook at all. I would not be on Twitter at BT Strelikas. I would not be on Instagram at BT Strelikas probably. But because I do, I am. <laughs> and so you can just go on those, you know, contact me there, see pictures of my dog. So. <laughs> good stuff that is brother brian strelukas yes definitely if you are in uh the jersey area may, maybe you know coming off of the events of wandavision i hear that, that the property in westview is is uh pretty affordable right now so you might be able to hook somebody up with that <laughs> i i have to see what county that is but i should be able to cover that <laughs> good stuff brother glad to have you here this yeah. week and uh our other guest this week of course our, our returning Disney expert who I, I guess like you, you, you found a way to book yourself in the jungle cruise as well. Uh, oh, Daniel. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm always playing the hustle, man. Always hustling, I, like playing the long game. Where can I get in the, uh, the next few years? Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm like, bring me back for jungle cruise. <laughs> uh, where can folks find you if they, if they want to talk more about Moana? Cause I, I feel like we, we really could have been here for probably another hour, just kind of getting into some of the, uh, the deeper stuff behind Moana and the story. But, uh, if, if folks want to talk to you about Disney or wrestling, uh, where, where can they find you on social media, brother? Uh, so, so I'm on, I'm on uh, best place to get me is on Twitter and it's, uh, it's Dan James Perry, but it's spelt weird because I was 15 and I thought that's what I, would be a good idea. Uh, so you can find it uh, D-A-N-J-A-Y-M-Z. I'm going to use the American pronunciation, but it hurt to do so. So D-A-N-J-A-Y-M-Z-P-E-R-R-Y. So that's Dan James Perry. 
And also I'm going to do a quick, quick plug for the, the, the video service because we've been talking about Disney+. Plus. Mm. I, I uh, operate and run a service uh, called Arrow, uh, which is a, uh, I would say, the Disney+, Plus for cult films and horror films and things like that. It's available in the U.S., available in Canada, available on Roku, Fire TV, Apple TV, iOS, Android, and on web at arrow-player.com. Uh, and on there, you've got great curated seasons for, you know, films that you're not going to get on those mainstream services. You're not going to get, you know, this is for none of the Moanas, basically. <laughs> this, but a really great selection of horror films, of westerns, of comedies, of 80s movies, of brand new films and old films as well. So, uh, yeah, you guys should uh, absolutely check that out. And that's what I spend uh, when I'm not watching Moana 50,000 times a day. That's pretty much what I'm working on uh, over here in the UK. Good, good stuff, brother. And then, again, as as we heard earlier, that's not the only thing Daniel's been working on. So congratulations on your upcoming arrival uh, here. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, it's, someone it's, it's, like someone else that, to share Moana with. <laughs> that's it. It seems that me and John Pollock are about several months out from our kids <laughs> being born. It's crazy, right? Like, it's like... I just like, oh, yeah, I've got baby on the way. And then John's like, baby number one. I'm like, oh, John's got a baby. And then it's like second one comes along, and I'm like, hey, I've got a baby on the way as well. So uh, that sounds like I'm trying to stalk him by having babies, but it's uh, that's really not what I'm trying to do. Who would ever think locking people indoors for months on end would result in an increase in procreation? Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So shout out to uh, brother Brian and brother Daniel for joining me this week. Shout out to you for listening. If you want. More from me, you can check me out on Twitter at in the number eight M O Z A I K. Uh, you can also check out the Kings of Sport podcast with myself and uh, Marcus Vanderberg. Uh, Marcus also a big Walt Disney fan, uh, so we we talk some Disney on on the Kings of Sport from time to time. We've got a Patreon, patreon.com backslash Kings of Sport. Five dollars gets you in the door, particularly like in in this time right now when people are starting to get uh, those those stimulus checks back. Uh, you know, you can you can slide five of of, of that fourteen hundred uh, over <laughs> to the Kings, and then we will appreciate that. Uh, Want to give a shout out to uh, Austin James and Robert Pearson for the graphic design work on the show. Uh, Brayden Harrington for our theme here on the Rocky Mountain Via Picture Show, and of course. The proprietors of post-wrestling, John Pollock and Wei Ting. Be sure to subscribe to the post-wrestling Patreon. And if you are a subscriber for the next three days, I believe, by the time this hits, uh, there is a sale going on at uh, uh, the post-wrestling store where you can get that that, that snazzy Rocky Maivia Picture Show t-shirt. And, and uh, you know, you get seven Bucks off, of course, going back to that famous quote from my man, Dwayne, uh, you know, and in 1995, all he had was seven bucks in his pocket. And he knew he knew two things, Brian. He knew that he was broke as hell and he knew that he wasn't always going to be broke, Daniel. And, and, and uh, you know, I think if we put on this T-shirt and, and have that, uh, you know, that seven dollars you save by buying the shirt. You put it in your pocket, and who knows? Ten years from now, you might be in your very own Walt Disney movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how things work. <laughs> and name your production company Seven Bucks. Yes, yep. So, so shout out to Seven Bucks. Like, yeah, there's so the Rock is just great. Like, if if you just go on his Instagram, like there there are very few people on Instagram that I can just sit and watch all day. Like Will Smith and the Rock might be it. 
like their Instagram feeds are, are just and and Lizzo uh, for other reasons, but their Instagram feeds are just great. Uh, Megan the Stallion as well, but the like I feel like I'm going down a different path now. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> let's let's stay on track, gentlemen. Uh, yeah, so I want to thank everybody for listening to the Moana episode. We'll be back next time in the theater to talk about 2017's Fate of the Furious. So, uh, Brian, thanks again for stopping by. Daniel, we will uh, talk to you uh, uh, next time. Uh, You're welcome. When, You're when welcome. We, <laughs> when we hop on that Jungle Cruise. <laughs> I've, I've got a post-it note in front of me that says, say goodbye by saying you're welcome. Remember. <laughs> yeah. had, you're welcome. Had, had to get your high spot in. Uh, <laughs> you know the way, I Daniel. Just, I'm all, oh, man. Oh, I, just, I just thought I was going for the cheap pop, but I've just been out cheap popped. That was a, that was a mix. That was a Mick Foley right there, Brian. <laughs> Beautiful. Brian, <laughs> Brian with the with the topper right there. But, yeah, so shout out to Brian and Daniel for joining us. Shout out to you for listening. And we'll see you next time for another edition of the Rocky Maya Via Picture Show. So, for Brian, for Daniel, for Dwayne The Rock Johnson, I'm Nate Milton. Enjoy the rest of your Nate Milton week. And remember, Nubian and I are watching. We'll see you next time. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.